You are listening to the Torah Sparks Podcast, the podcast that finds and ignites sparks of spiritual light and meaning in anything and everything, bringing out lessons and values straight from the Holy Torah. I am your host, Ori Strum. Let's jump right in. I am super fired up for this episode. After all, it is called Torah Sparks. After all, it is the holiday of Hanukkah. After all, it is the holiday of Hanukkah. After all, Hanukkah and Hanukkah are one and the same. After all, this week's Torah Sparks podcast is sponsored by none other than Fired Up Promotions, providing you with awesome swag that gets you fired up. Contact David D at 443-604-0312 or visit his website at www.firedupromos.com. Seriously, reach out to Fired Up Promotions. They are great. They offer great swag. All that merch that you can possibly need, it gets you all fired up. And, you know, really, when we talk about Hanukkah, Hanukkah is about making us fired up. It's about making us feel fired up in our Yiddishkeit. I've said this before, but my grandfather, uh, George Strum, his favorite Dvar Torah, his favorite idea that he shares with his children and grandchildren is that the word, the Hebrew word for life is Chaim, life. And the word, if you flip it around and you mix around the letters, if you notice, the first and last letter spells Ches and Mem, Cham. Cham means a fire, Bren, heat. And the two middle letters is Yud, Yud, represents Hashem. You see, life, you're supposed to live life with the Cham, with the Bren. You're supposed to be excited. You're supposed to be fired up about life, all realizing that there's a God at the center. God in the middle. God's that shamish in the middle that stands above us all and illuminates us all. Um, like we know in the Beis HaMikdash, the, by the, the shamish, the center, the center candle, all of the candles to the right and to the left, all of the nearest were directed toward it. And so to us, all of us, you know, we have that Hashem's guidance in our life. We have His Torah. We have His values, His ideas, His thoughts, His words that He portrayed to us via His Torah. And it's supposed to get us fired up. It's supposed to get us excited. The Torah is compared to fire. The Torah is compared to Ish. Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam. Um, that's a, also a Pasuk. I don't know if I had to do with that exactly. But yeah, we're talking about the Ner. The Ner of a person, the Neshama. The person's Neshama is a Ner as well. We're supposed to live. We're supposed to be fired up. When we light the Hanukkah light, when we light the Helega Hanukkah menorah, the candles each time we're supposed to sit, be fired up uh, ourselves. It's a fascinating idea, you know, that Parshas Miketz, which is composed of 146 psukim, not to be confused with Parshas Bereshis, which is also composed of 146 psukim. Maybe we can draw a connection. Not right now. Parshas Miketz also has 2,000 and 25 words. There's significance with that and the idea of Motsi Shemra. But again, let's put that on the side burner. Let that get fired up a little bit. Uh, maybe we'll come back to that. Probably not. But I want to discuss with you something that that I just, uh, an insight that, that I found to be super inspiring in this week's Parsha, Parsha's Miketz. And that's like this. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but seven times 
Oh, what's the significance of seven? Seven times in Parshas Miketz, it mentions the word Miraglim. Yosef says to his brothers, you guys are Miraglim. You guys are Miraglim. The brothers say, no, we're not Miraglim. What's going on here? First of all, it is brought down that it's an illusion, you know, with the, the ten brothers and the ten spies that who were called the Miraglim, that they were Gilgulim. But if we're not going to go that deep and that um, you know, lofty. What does Miraglim mean? What was Yosef saying? Hey, what was Yosef saying to his brothers? Hey, you guys are Miraglim. What was he saying? Are you guys still Miraglim? And they were saying, no, we're not. You see, the word Miraglim comes from the word hergel, regel. Regel means habit, habitual, um, what I'm used to doing, the regular, mundane, things that I'm used to doing. Habit, right? So Yosef perhaps was alluding to his brothers the message, and that was Miraglimatim. Are you guys the same people? I know you were. You, you guys were caught in this regal, this this habitual um, way of living, where where you were you were turning me down. You weren't acting brotherly to me. You weren't speaking to me peacefully. You threw me away. You threw me in a ditch. You took my Tonus possum. You sent it to the to father. Made it made him believe that I was you know torn apart by an animal. You did so bad. You did so much wrong to me, and it just kept happening. It was habitual. It just kept happening over and over again. Miraglim Artem, are you guys acting the same way? Are you still caught up in that same way? Or have you fixed yourselves? And the brothers are trying to say throughout the parsha, they're saying, no, we're not, we're, we're not Miraglim. We've done better. Sorry, sorry, Yosef. Sorry. We're not Miraglim. We, 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 we've caught up. We're not. We're no longer the same people that we were yesteryear. We're no longer that same people. And there's a fascinating message over here because if you think about it, this word miraglim appears seven times in the parsha. Seven is the number for hergel. Seven is the number for regel. Seven is the number for miraglim. Seven is the number of nature. Sheva yipol tzaddik says the, the says Shlomo Melech and Mishle that the righteous fall seven times. Falling and seven are one and the same because seven represents nature. There's seven colors of the rainbow, and there's seven heavens, and there's seven continents, and there's seven um, there's seven seas, and there's so many things that are seven. Seven represents nature, represents Teva, represents Hergel. But the year doesn't stay in seven. A Jew doesn't remain in the realm of Hergel. The avoda of a Jew is to break out of that. You know, I want to tell you a story. There was a woman who was on the top, top floor of a, of a building that was burning, and she was holding on to a vase, standing on the balcony. Everyone already in the building, you know, because of the great blaze in the in the building, they already left. And there's this one lady clutching a vase, standing on the balcony, in literally hundreds of feet below, and people are saying, just jump, just jump, we'll catch you. And they had this big, giant, like, trampoline uh, cushion thing. They were going to catch her, and the fire... People were saying, just jump, jump. She's clutching on so tight, so tight to this vase. And she's yelling, no, I can't, I can't let go of this vase. This vase was from my great-grandmother. It's so expensive. It means so much to me. It's so, I can't, I can't. She's clutching the vase. And all of a sudden, she's looking around at the crowd below, hundreds of feet below. And she sees somebody, she sees somebody head and shoulders above everyone else. And she notices, oh my gosh, that's Ted Williams. Ted Williams was the school high school player, high school football tight end, everyone who knew who he was, Ted Williams, he was like the best athlete, everyone knew he was going to go to the pros he was head and shoulders above everyone and it so happened to be, he was wearing shoulder pads and a helmet and a jersey number he happened to be number 8 in honor of Hanukkah right, and she noticed him 
down below and she says, hey, Ted, set hike. And she throws the vase, realizing that, hey, this guy's going to catch it. And as soon as she throws the, the vase, she jumps off and she's saved. And the vase, going, now let's take it to the vase. The vase is in midair and it's getting closer and closer to the ground. And like any other pass, right, any other football pass, Ted Williams sees the vase. He sees the projectile and it's just like a pigskin to him. He runs and he hurdles a couple vehicles. He spins around a car. He's going and going. He jukes left, he jukes right, the vase is getting closer to hit the ground, and finally at the very end, Ted Williams leaps with his left hand, which is crazy because he's a righty, and he grabs the vase of four inches before it hits the ground, and he saves the day, he catches the vase, and everyone's cheering, everyone's going wild, everyone's going ape, everyone's going, this is crazy, the most amazing catch ever, in fact, there was a news station who was there videoing the whole thing, it's going to make the times, there were the NFL scouts there, he's going to go to the pros automatically, and Ted Williams is so pumped, he's so ecstatic, he's so excited, he takes the vase, and Spikes it down on the ground and it shatters to smithereens. You see, what was the problem of the story? What's the problem? What happened over here? Literally, the vase worth millions of dollars was just shattered. You know why? Because Ted Williams was stuck. He was stuck. Every time he scored a touchdown when he played football, he had that animalistic desire to just take the pigskin, to take the football and just smash it as hard as he can. To, and hit the ground to spike the ball. You ever, by the way, see the video camera after so a football player spikes a ball? How often do you think it actually, you know, just the ball just goes right up? The ball's shaped like an egg. You know, probably half the time it hits one of those cameramen sitting on the side. I feel really bad for them. They probably, you know, they probably get good angles on their shots, but they probably get hit in the head really hard. I don't know. I, I just... But the point of what I'm saying is, is that he the, he spiked the vase down. He thought it was a football. He he thought it was a football, and it just went to sh- sh- and it just went to smithereens. And he got caught up in his ways. He got caught up in Hergel. He got caught up in this seven. He got caught up in the cycle of yeah. Once I score a touchdown, I'm just going to spike the ball. But little did he know that oh my gosh, this wasn't a football. This was an expensive vase, but the idea is that sometimes we get caught up in in old in habits, in things that we shouldn't be doing, and things that we shouldn't be looking at, and things we shouldn't be reading. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. In 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 you know, we get into a habit of not going to shul, get into the habit of not putting on tefillin, get into a habit of not learning, of not making kavitim, of getting of being not so nice to our wives, of you know, being disrespectful to our teachers. We get in habits and it becomes almost normal, it becomes almost second nature. But Hanukkah is a time to say, hey, no longer am I going to remain in this habitual abode. I'm going to break free from that. You see the word, like we pointed out, the word Miraglim in this week's parsha appears seven times. But what that's only seven. Miraglim, to, be, to do things based on habit, that's in the realm of seven. But we have to do something one more. One more than seven is eight. Eight is the ches, the candles, the eight candles of Hanukkah, the eight nights of Hanukkah. Hanukkah represents lemaila to go above nature, to say, no, I'm not going to fall for my old sticks, for my old ways, for my old beliefs, for my old philosophies and ideologies. I'm going to break beyond that. There's a fascinating halacha when it comes to Hilchas Hanukkah. And that is, you know, when discussing the laws of Hanukkah, there's a very interesting halacha. It comes up, and it's unique to the holiday of Hanukkah. Chazal say that you have to put in enough oil in the menorah in order to last until the people finish leaving the marketplace. And the reason for this is because of Pursumenisa. 
in order to pub- in order to publicize the nace of Hanukkah, and we want as many people as possible to see it. So that's why you light with enough oil. You put inside. Says the Bir Alacha, it's forbidden to use the light. It's aster lishtamish la'ora during the entire time period of Ad Manashuk. I think there is an unbelievable illusion here. Ad shetichle regel minashok. Perhaps Chazal are alluding to us a message, a hidden secret, and that is ad shetichle regel. You know what the message of Hanukkah Nerus is? You know what the, one of the messages of lighting the Hanukkah candles is? Is ad shetichle regel. Tichle means to to get rid of, to to destroy, to. Until to finish, right? Achitichla regel. The notion of regel, the notion of miraglim, the notion of habit, the notion of seven, that has to be tichla. That has to be gone with. We have to get rid of that. And Hanukkah is a chizik for that. Lighting the Hanukkah candles is a chizik of, I'm not going to continue in those ways. I'm going to do something different. Even though I might be used to spiking the ball, I'm not going to. Because you know what? It might cause, it might cause one day for me to spike spike that fancy vase. I'm not going to continue in this way. I'm going to become better. I'm going to do better. Hanukkah is a chizuk to become out, to go out and leave the realm of regal. That's one of the messages that the lighting of the Hanukkah candles is supposed to do for us, is to bring us out of the realm of Miraglim, bring us out of the realm of seven, bring us out of the realm of Teva, of nature, and say, I can be above that. And again, maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's not a coincidence that the number of psukim in this week's parsha Mikates, which always falls out on Hanukkah, is 146. Because the end, or rather the beginning, but the end of that phrase in Mishlei is Sheva Yibol Tzadik, the righteous fall seven times, but what? Vikam. But he gets back up. The gematria, the numerical value of the word vikam is 146. 146, the number of verses in Parshas Mikates always falls out in Hanukkah like we mentioned. This is one of the messages of Hanukkah is to get up, is to don't be caught in the seven, don't be caught in the in the cycle of habitual abode. Just get up, get up, light the fire, light the fire, get rid of that regal. Get rid of that notion of miraglim and become something bigger. Live in the realm of just be fired up. Be fired up all the time. Live with a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Yeah, it's hard. It's easy to say this. It's easy to mention this in a podcast because I'm just saying it. But it's another thing is to feel it. But when we light the Hanukkah candles, it's an auspicious time to daven, to add a tefillah and say, Hashem, it's hard. You know, you know, living living as a Jew is hard. It's not it's not easy. It's challenging. But I'm going to try to be fired up in my Yiddishkeit. I'm going to try to live with that cham, live with the bread, live with the fire. I'm going to try to let these Hanukkah nerus of these eight nights that are Lamalim and Ateva, I'm going to try to let it, you know, actually affect me and impact me. And throughout the Choshech, the darkness of the night, I'm going to actually light this fire. It, a beautiful marshal. You might have heard it before, but the king, you know, said he had a contest. Whoever fills up a room, you know, the most will get to marry my daughter. So a couple people tried to do it. One person tried with sand. Another person tried with pebbles. Another person tried it with hay. And they all pretty much filled up the room. But, you know, when they measured it, there were slightly slight gaps, etc. Then there was one, you know, guy who said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them how to fill up a room. 
So they all come gather and see, okay, what's he going to do? How's he going to fill up his room? And they go, and the room is completely dark, and there's nothing in there. They, you know, they can move their hands. There's nothing. It's not full of anything. They're like, you fool. You're wasting everyone's time. Not only are you not going to marry the king's daughter, you're going you're gonna to die. And the guy's like, just, just wait. And the guy takes out a match and lights a fire, lights a candle, puts it in the middle of the room. And the entire room fills with lightness. He filled the room more than anyone else, and he was the one who was Zochet to marry the king's daughter. Why? Because he was creative. But what did he teach us? That when the way you fill up a room is with light. The way you fight darkness is with light. That is the ultimate thing that can fill us up. And when we light up our lives, when we get, live in a realm where we're fired up in our Yiddishkeit, that can outlast any type of darkness. No matter how dark the gullus that we're living in, if we ourselves can turn on that fire and ignite that, that Torah sparks, that fire it up, and, and live excited and passionate as Yiddin, as Jews, there's nothing in the world that can stop us. Hashem should bless us. Hashem should bench us. Hashem should give us all the brachas in the world and the ability to light ourselves up and to live fired up. Thank you so much for listening to another Torah Sparks podcast episode. If you enjoyed it, please share, please rate, please review. And Amir Tashem, we'll see you next week. Thanks.